excited for another episode looking at running back and wide receiver underperformers. We'll look at my Violioni model, how it performed in week seven and what it liked for week eight and you know which guys I agree with the model on, which guys I don't. Before we get into that, want to note that this podcast is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. If you use promo code ETR over at Underdog Fantasy, you'll get up to $100 in initial deposit bonus match. And you can play weekly DFS there. Their Battle Royale games are a ton of fun. Really quick six-round snake drafts with only five other teams to compete against uh, within your league. But it's an, they frame it as an overall contest. So it's a fun way to play DFS GPPs that's a little bit different. Than the salary cap so format so make sure you check out underdog fantasy and use promo code etr for a chance to get up to a hundred dollars in a free deposit match okay so let's take a look at the running back results from last week they were pretty strong last week uh aaron jones travis Etienne, jonathan taylor david montgomery Najah harris all outperformed their last three points per game average ch was the only one who didn't and he probably wouldn't have been on the model, but I didn't want to take him off late in the week. But with our updated kind of thresholds for what the minimum DFS projection would be once Isaiah Pacheco was announced as starting, probably wouldn't have been on here. He actually ran really lucky to score a touchdown and still come out okay. The big news out of these performers, Aaron Jones finally gets used a ton in the passing game. And I talked about last week, like, if they keep using him the way he is, he's going to perform better, but it's still not a huge ceiling. We need that passing game usage that we expected all off season to increase. And he gets 10 targets. That was double more than any other game this season. He had five targets week one, every other game between weeks two and six, he only had three or four targets. So that's massive for Aaron Jones. If they continue to do that, that's exactly why we thought he was an acceptable round two pick as an early running back. Travis Etienne, of course, you know, the model runs a little bit hot there, not knowing that James Robinson would be limited with the knee injury. Now we've got James Robinson traded to New York. So hopefully you listened last week though, regardless of James Robinson trade, it was going to be Travis Etienne's backfield. And he goes over a hundred, gets a touchdown, really strong performance from Travis Etienne. David Montgomery, Oh, you know, he had a decent game. He finds the end zone. Um, but I'm worried about him going forward that the floor ceiling combination just isn't that great. Like with Cleo Herbert lurking, you know, you're going to need this Chicago team to stay run heavy, be competitive enough that they can be super run heavy and be in good enough positions that there's going to be efficiency out of the run game. And so far it's been okay for him, but I'm a little bit worried. We can use Jonathan Taylor and Najee Harris to segue to the week eight model because both those guys reappear. And let's start with Najee. Najee last week you know, did kind of w- what we thought, which is he's likely to score more points per game than he has, but the ceiling just really isn't there. He's got a matchup against Philadelphia this week that's difficult. It's the same thing with Najee. I'm not chasing him in DFS or anything. I think he's going to get you, you know, he's going to be a low double digit point per game guy. You know, there's enough volume that he's just going to fall into that and probably perform a little better than he has. But the efficiency concerns due to the combination of his health and the offense remain. And then with Jonathan Taylor, what we saw last week, he didn't have the massive game we wanted, but it was close. Uh, And we saw the Colts do what we had hoped, which was they ran this really fast paced up tempo offense 
and Jonathan Taylor was able to get a lot of volume on short passes in the passing game. And that's exactly what we wanted. Uh, I think he had like seven catches. Yeah, seven catches on eight targets. Like that's huge for PPR leagues. The issue is Matt Ryan hasn't been good enough to get this team in scoring position for him to score. So um, once again, he does not find the end zone. And they go to Sam Ellinger now. And this could go one of two ways. Overall, I'm concerned because I really do think that these seven catch days are probably behind Jonathan Taylor. And it would have been really exciting to see that if they could have sustained any sort of efficiency with it. Uh, There's some hope, though, that the team finds itself in scoring range a bit more and that playing with a mobile quarterback returns Jonathan Taylor's efficiency. You know, his yards per carry on the season is only at 4.2 after being five and a half last season, 5.0 his rookie year, 5.1 for his career. So he remains on the list. I certainly think he's going to outperform, you know, his last three fantasy points per game average of 11, but not, you know, we'll see how it goes with Ellinger. Definitely like lukewarm change there for him. Looking at some new guys on the list, we get two guys that are coming back from injury and Swift and James Conner. Sometimes these guys get on the list because the game that they get hurt in, they leave early and they have a really low, you know, that affects their last three fantasy points per game. So whether or not to include these guys, I'm always like uncertain, but I, I'm trying to do it as objectively as possible and not just manually remove guys from the list. So um, with Swift, I think eventually he's going to, you know, full practice finally on Wednesday. No concerns about Swift whatsoever. With James Conner, you definitely some concerns that, you know, Benjamin just continues to cut into this role. You know, Conner has been really inefficient, but the good news for Conner is we have seen this role for Arizona. Because the offense has been a little bit better. It's a pretty valuable role in terms of catches and the potential for some goal line opportunity. Um, it's kind of a boring list this week, not a ton to talk about. The the guy who's like most meant for this type of analysis that's on the list this week is Brian Robinson, who um has not found the end zone yet, but he's had multiple carries inside the 10-yard line the last two weeks. He's had 17 and 20 carries. Um, in those two weeks. So we would certainly expect him to start performing better. Definitely some ceiling concerns just because I don't know if the efficiency is going to be there. And I actually misspoke. He did find the end zone in his game against Chicago. Um, but he had you know 17 for 60, 20 for 73. Given all those carries and some of the goal line carries, we would have expected him to score on average, probably not two touchdowns, but more than one. Um, so it could run better there and you're generally expecting better than a three and a half yards per carry or whatever he's done so far. I think in total, yeah, it's at 3.4. The pass game stuff, he finally had a couple of targets last game, but he had zero targets in the two games prior. So we'll see the models picking up mostly from last week, which was his best usage game, 20 carries high, two targets high two carries inside the 10 matches the high from the previous week. Um, But he only ends up, you know, with a nine point game or whatever, but he's going to get nine point games because of that workload, but that's more on the floor. And if they keep pounding the rock with him like this, he's going to have a lot more 15 pointers moving forward. If he just runs a little bit better on the efficiency side of things. And then we've got Devin Singletary who that workload is just going to be really up and down. And, they play him a lot more in competitive games, which is something that we've seen. And 
he's going to be someone you can see on the expected fantasy points. Overall, we would expect him to perform better than he has, but the goal line rolls a little bit uncertain. So the model might be, you know, projecting a little bit more touchdown upside for Singletary than he has, but he's going to be someone that you can definitely fire up in games that are perceived to be competitive. I think I would include this week's matchup Sunday night primetime game against Green Bay there, although I'm expecting Zach Moss to be active. He was inactive in their last game against Kansas City. All right, that's going to do it for the running back stuff. Let's go over to wide receiver, and we'll look at last week's results. Usually we start with the hits, but honestly, uh, I think I think we got to take some L's and start with the losses for last week first. And Romeo Dobbs being among them, who I made as the cover boy for this last week, and then he goes and he goose eggs. Uh, once again, I'm pretty good opportunity. Um, yeah, the concern with Romeo Dobbs at this point is just that he's not that good. And last week, I think I had mentioned that he was like 6.4 yards per target. You know, that's going to regress. And now we're down to 5.6 yards per target because that's what happens when you goose egg on four targets and and some some brutal play just in general where, you know, dropped a fourth down pass. It was really tough spot for Dobbs. And there's some concern that the plane, you know, this volume that we're chasing is going to evaporate because he's going to play less because he's not performing well. I do think he gets one more chance with it, with Alan Lazard looking like he's going to miss this week against Buffalo. So I wouldn't ditch him yet in your season long leagues. Like, let's see what happens. Um, he has one really good game. It could be back to wheels up, but um, this is definitely a high leverage game for Dobbs where it's going to go one way or the other. Rondale Moore comes out with a 31-yard catch right off the bat in his Thursday night game against New Orleans, and that was the only catch that he had. They moved him to the outside in this game, and we hit on this in the rest of the season top 150 show with Adam Levitan and Mark Dankenbring. Also a free show. You can check that out on the Established Run YouTube channel if you want more analysis on that. But um, you want Rondale in the slot getting you know short ADOT, picking up catches, and then having a few maybe – Big play. So that's not super encouraging. Cortland Sutton struggles with Brett Rippon and Jerry Judy actually performed really well. He will be excited to get Russell Wilson back as poorly as Russell Wilson has played. And then Michael Pittman, I have a lot of concerns on him with Ellinger. Hit on this with the JT thing, but like when you go to a mobile quarterback, I think you're going to see less called pass plays. And then within those called pass plays, I think you're going to see more sacks. You're going to see more scrambles. And Pittman's someone that's super dependent on, on volume. You know, his target share isn't amazing. It's just, it's good, not elite. And if you're good, not elite, and you're not crazy efficient, like he's just overvalued in the fantasy community. I would be trying to move off of Michael Pittman. But we did have a, we did have some hits. You know, not, not a lot of guys go crazy, but like, a, a decent amount of guys that did outperform their last three fantasy points per game average, which is the goal of the model. The ones that stick out most to me, DJ Moore, um, you know, you just got to be patient with guys who we know are talented, aren't getting volume, even if the situations aren't great. He finally gets some efficiency success with PJ Walker. There has a good matchup against Atlanta this week, would continue to ride DJ Moore. Terry McLaurin benefits from the quarterback switch with Taylor Heineke, catches a deep ball for a touchdown. Volume still not you know exactly where we want it to be and where it's been in previous years, but it was good to see him bounce back. And then uh, Pat Fryermuth, um, just a you know I think he's going to be a really good fit with Kenny Pickett. So it was it was good to see his success. And then Christian Kirk is someone who's on the model again this week. 
Um, not as much of a gap as underperformance last week was quite huge. I think he's one of the bigger underperformers heading into it. And just to note, like the pros and cons of our model going back six weeks, and it's not, uh, it doesn't weigh the recent weeks as heavily as the running back model. The running back model is only last four weeks and it's really weighting the recent stuff even higher. Whereas wide receiver, it's definitely weighting the recent stuff higher, but not the decay isn't as strong as it is on the running back model. So that's good when you find guys like Christian Kirk, who just run bad for a little bit. And we want that signal from earlier in the season. We know the role is going to be strong. Uh, it's bad for guys like Garrett Wilson. Both these guys are on the model again this week who there's just been a meaningful change for Garrett Wilson in terms of the quarterback play and the play calling going from Joe Flack on those 50 attempt plus games to Zach Wilson. Um, and, and so the, you know, that's the pros and cons of the model reaching back a bit further, but let's go to week eight and the guys we can see uh, the underperformers, you know, a few guys pop right back up again, Dobbs, who we hit on sudden who gets rust back um, definitely would be buying sudden. So in general of these top three guys in terms of underperformers, Garrett Wilson, I think, you know, it's not someone I'm chasing. Cortland Sutton is definitely someone I'm chasing. And the Dobbs is, is sort of in the middle. We're going to give him one more week, see how it does. But we do get um, some higher end wide receivers this week. And always like to pay attention to that. You know, we've had digs on here previously, Devonte Adams, Jamar Chase, and eventually those guys just put up huge numbers. And eventually it's going to happen, you know, for someone like AJ Brown, CD Lamb, or really like those guys, uh, Debo Samuel. Uh, Debo somewhat concerned that the volume drops off with the addition of Christian McCaffrey, but you know, the model's expecting him to be more at like 12.3 fantasy points per game as opposed to 11.4 in the receiving game. I think he's going to pop. He's going to put up some highly efficient receiving lines. It's going to be a bit better than it has been um, despite the addition of CMC. Um, but like the very high end upside, I definitely think has been curbed by the CMC addition. And then, also, another guy who's not like at the top, Amon Ross St. Brown. Um, well, listen, you know, he's left two games early due to injury in his last three. So we have a really poor, like, last three fantasy points per game metric here. If anyone's down on Amon Ross St. Brown, I, I mean, this is a time to trade for him. He's top five in the NFL in targets per route run. This dude's absolutely going to smash down the stretch. Sounds like the concussion was more on like them being really cautious with the some of the new concussion rules. I don't know if he actually had a concussion or not, um, but it sounds like he's on track to play this week. So really into Amon Ra St. Brown. But you'll notice the top two guys in here are Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, and Tampa Bay's been throwing a ton, and both these guys are going to perform better. You know, Tampa Bay, Tom Brady might not go back to what he was the previous two years with Tampa Bay, but if he just is somewhat average, this these guys are going to hit because this team needs to throw the ball. They're not good enough to not throw the ball. They have to. That's the way they're going to score offensively. These two are very different in the way they're going to get it done, even though it's funny the model projection on them is so, so close at 14.1 for Godwin, 14.0 for Evans. Evans just had the most valuable wide receiver week we've seen of the last few weeks, putting up 26.2 expected fantasy points last week. And that includes, you know, he dropped an 80-yard touchdown. Could have been a massive, massive week for Evans. And the week before, I believe, was his worst expected fantasy point outing of the entire season. So we're just going to see a ton of volatility with Mike Evans. I think from a DFS standpoint, sometimes when you get volatile guys who have disappointed a few weeks in a row, people give up 
And that you know, that's not how volatility works on these players. It's going to, you don't know when, when the hits are going to come necessarily. I mean, I almost hope it doesn't happen tonight against the Ravens because uh, I want it on a main slate. And I want to keep chasing sort of the, the big time Evans upside, but it's going to be really up and down for him. But in average, it's going to be better for Mike Evans than it's been, particularly in the touchdown department. Godwin's sort of the opposite. We could see remarkable consistency out of Chris Godwin. His expected fantasy points the last three weeks were 20, 19, and 14. The 14 uh, was that week against Atlanta where his snaps were cut back in a blowout. And it seems like he's getting healthier and the team just really you know, can't afford to take their foot off the pedal in any games given their lack of success the last couple of weeks, losing to teams like Pittsburgh and Carolina. So uh, really in on the Tampa Bay guys turning it around. Um, just one other dude I wanted to know, Zach Ertz's role has been incredible. If I look uh, on the season in my spreadsheet at the, in, in terms of total cumulative workloads, you know, weeks one through eight and expected fantasy points, the top 10, Here's nine of the names in the top 10. Jamar Chase, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Stefan Diggs, Devontae Adams, Mark Andrews, Cooper Cup, Marquise Brown, Justin Jefferson, all the guys you would expect to see. And the 10th name in that list is Zach Ertz. Uh, Zach Ertz has underperformed the most, and that is to be expected. We aren't, you know, not a lot of gas there for Zach Ertz. Juice has been the word I've been just like overusing a ton this season but the juice for zach Ertz not there but ultimately it's it's a great great role it did diminish last week with deandre hopkins back but we're not going to see deandre hopkins with like quite that high of a target share every week um so if, if people are concerned on Ertz, you know possibly in dfs this week too there's just a lot of upside from that role in full ppr leagues where you know, he can fall into five for 40 in the tight end position so bad that that's pretty good when you throw in, then you also have a lot of, a lot of touchdown upside. And in terms of red zone targets this year, uh, Zach Ertz is tied for fifth with 12 red zone targets. You know, the only guys ahead of him are Diggs, Andrews, Adams, Chase, and Kelsey, all of those guys. And Diggs is actually tied with him. Um, Jefferson is tied as well in fifth with the 12 red zone targets. Jefferson and Ertz only have two touchdowns. The other guys on that list have between five and seven touchdowns. So look for Ertz to catch some more touchdowns moving forward. Justin Jefferson as well. All right, that's going to do it on uh, this week's look at the Bileoni model, the wide receiver, tight end, and running back underperformers. Hoping this is helpful for you guys in DFS and in season-long fantasy uh, please feel free to leave questions in the comments on the Established Run YouTube channel where this is also posted. Subscribe, give us a like there. Also, if you're listening to the podcast version on iTunes, rate and review helps me to continue doing free content like this. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you. Uh, actually, see you tonight for the DFS Game Sports Podcast with myself and Adam Rouse. So looking forward to that.